brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome in to the Titan Size Podcast. Uh, I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts. Forgot my name for a second. Uh, Will Lomas and Matthias Wadner. And um, we're going to talk about the Houston Texans today for a little bit. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some other NFL headlines. Uh, because there are a couple of, of pretty big ones this week. So let's start by talking about the only good player remaining on the Texans roster that isn't hurt. And that is wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, who's probably going to be all pro, pro bowl again this year. Um, we've seen the Titans really put an end to T.Y. Hilton's historical dominance against them this year. Uh, I, I put up a tweet uh, earlier in the week where last year in two games against the Titans, Hilton caught 12 balls for 230 yards and two scores. This year in two games, three catches for 34 yards. So they really found a way to finally stop T.Y. Hilton, but they have yet to find a way to stop DeAndre Hopkins. He always gives his team nightmares. He did it when the Texans blew out the Titans earlier this season. So let's start by talking about that. What can the Titans do to finally stop DeAndre Hopkins? Because I don't care who's the quarterback. It's shown that it does not matter. Yeah, I was going to say you really can't stop him, but uh, he's had a couple of interesting uh, low production performances uh, over the last two years, and one of them actually came against the Titans um, in week four. Uh, he was held to four yards on just one catch uh, on six targets. Um, and the the th- I don't really remember much of that game, to be honest with you, but I definitely think Brock Osweiler uh, being so terrible had a lot to do with it. Uh, the thing is, um, Tom Savage is the Texans quarterback right now, so a possibility for him not to blow up is is available just because his quarterback is Tom Savage, like I said, and he's not very good. But Savage has been really forcing the issue with him uh, over the last four weeks, which is which are the, the last four starts for St- Savage since uh, Watson has gone down. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins has 49 targets, which is just an absolutely absurd number. That's not even like... Antonio Brown numbers, um, and he he's put up good games. He hasn't gone under seventy six yards in any game, uh, and he's dealt with some really tough matchups. Actually, um, he dealt with Patrick Peterson, put scored on him uh, last week. He was up against Jim, Jimmy Smith, who's having a pretty good season, um, and he got one hundred twenty five yards on on a really good Ravens defense. So, 
Um, the the real way to slow him down is to is to put two guys on him. Uh, don't do what uh, Cincinnati did uh, earlier this year in primetime, where they just let Adam Jones uh, cover him one on one. That doesn't work because DeAndre Hopkins gets t- way too much separation, uh, whether illegal or illegal. Um, so yeah, you definitely have to double him somehow, um, and definitely press him at the line. Don't let him get a clean release off the line. Yeah, I mean. If you watch the Monday night game, there's a pretty clear way that the Texans want to run their offense. And, I mean, there's no creativity, really. It's just they want to go trips to the right, Hopkins to the left, or uh, they may do it wide side uh, boundary. I don't know. Um, But they want Hopkins to be forced into either double coverage and then they attack the trips or single coverage and then they just try to throw him a deep ball or let him push off and get a curl route which never gets caught i mean he leads the nfl with i think four offensive pass interferences he if he doesn't have four a game he's being shortchanged he is the <laughs> and not, i don't want to say dirty because there's nothing dirty about it you know it's just a cheap way to get a release but i mean he does it every time and you know it, the refs aren't going to take that away or else the Texans would score zero points a game. But, you know, if, if they were calling it straight down the middle, they wouldn't let him do that. But what they really – the Titans really should do is put Logan Ryan directly on top of him like the Patriots did last year, have Kevin Byard over the top of him. You don't have to worry about Will Fuller. He's not going to play. So put Kevin Byard behind mm-hmm. Logan Ryan. Let Logan Ryan play really aggressive because they're going to throw those and he's going to get a push off. So you can't give him a cushion or he's just going to eat you up and then force them to throw or to hold the ball for a little longer and send Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan every play. Uh, if you can get to Savage, everything should be fine because that offense will crumble. But if you rush three and try to drop eight in coverage, they're just going to throw it uh, to Hopkins, even if he's covered up and he's going to make a really good contested catch and you're going to look stupid. Mm-hmm. So, um, because of the injury to Deshaun Watson, the Texans are at quarterback having to start Tom Savage. This is the quarterback that last year started against the Titans in the second half of the season at Nissan Stadium and got a concussion on a quarterback sneak, which oh, yeah. forced Brock Osweiler right. to come in the game. I don't know who I was at that game. I forgot. You were, that's right. What a game. Uh, I don't know who their backup quarterback is. Um, I don't think that's going to happen again. But I was talking to someone today about Tom Savage, and I said, you know, Tom Savage is much better of an athlete than I am as a 5'8 white guy. Uh, He's got a much stronger arm (laughs) than I do, and he's probably a lot faster than I am. But he plays quarterback the way I would be forced to play it in the NFL. Stand in the pocket, three-step drop throw, three-step drop throw, three-step drop throw. That's how he plays. His feet are like rocks in the pocket. He's like Zach Mettenberger without the big arm, which was really the only yeah. thing Zach Mettenberger did well. So, yep. <laughs> number one, why is Tom Savage, why did, was he the starter at the beginning of the season, I guess? And number two, should the Titans even be worried about him, or, or should they just do like they did with Brissett and just pressure the heck out of him and force him to make a mistake? Um. I have no idea why he was starting. <laughs> um, well, Deshaun Watson didn't look great in the preseason, to be fair. Uh, he was missing a lot of receivers, and his accuracy was kind of off. So 
uh, I get, I'm guessing Bill O'Brien saw that and was like, you know what, he's not ready. Let's just go with the veteran, if you really want to call him a veteran. Really hasn't hadn't played much up until this year. So uh, t- coaches just tend to do that. They defer to the veterans. Um, so I, I guess I guess that's why they did it. I wouldn't have done that. And you saw they halfway through the Jags game, they just they realized their mistake, and that was the end of that. But this injury has really uh, changed their entire offense, which was high flying with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. And Tom Savage is just he's a sloth in the pocket. And <laughs> the the times that he well he hasn't really played all that well in any game uh but his best game of the season was against the cardinals um surprisingly um the cardinals really couldn't get much pressure uh and they only sacked him one time which is which is really surprising from a cardinals defense um so you really just have to get a little bit of pressure not much because he 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 doesn't move in the pocket he literally just stands there and hopes that his protection uh is perfect so that he can deliver at least uh some on-time throws to specifically DeAndre Hopkins he really doesn't throw to anyone else so i i, I don't i don't <laughs> i'm not very uh not very scared of him uh he has had some some decent throws that i've seen over the past couple of weeks um, but that's when he has a, a perfectly clean pocket. And considering the state of the Texans' offensive line, I don't think that's going to happen too often in this game, um, and especially because the Titans have 11 sacks in their last two games, and they've been getting a bunch of pressure. So Dick LeBeau is probably going to stick to the to the, to the the blitz-heavy uh, scheme, and I'm in favor of that. Yeah, if you put Rusty Smith... Uh... Matt Castle, Zach Mettenberger, and Tom Savage into a group. I'm not sure what quarterback you end up with. I'm like, I'm not sure who's the best quarterback of the four of those. They just, I mean, there's just nothing there. So, but they're all kind of the same guy. You know, guys that won in college because they had decent arms and because they were in a, you know, a system that worked. And there was, I'm sure there was somebody that carried them against bad teams. But, I mean, not Matt Castle because he was a backup. But, you know, it, it just... It's guys who I don't know how they made it in the NFL, but they're they're funny enough and nice enough in the room to where people feel bad cutting them, so they're there. Um, I I don't know why you wouldn't blitz Tom Savage on every single play. He's played, I believe, he's played in either four or five games, and he leads the NFL in fumbles. Uh, that's that's how poorly he holds on to the ball. He has seven fumbles, and I think either six or seven of them were lost. That's a guy you rush. That's a guy you scheme Brian Arakpo against who is a great, you know, pass rusher who, when he gets there, he goes for that arm almost every time. Jarrell Casey almost had a strip sack uh, against Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know how he held onto the ball. Those are two guys who have a knack for going after the ball when they're rushing the passer and who have had, historically, you know, a pretty good job, you know, a pretty good record of doing that. So you scheme them open, whether it's bringing Avery Williamson or, you know, who, Jay on Brown, whoever's in at linebacker, bring them in, leave Woodyard or uh, Jay on in coverage, and then, you know, bring six every time. And if for some reason he holds onto the ball or if he can get rid of it quick enough and you're covering Hopkins well enough, then that's just how you're going to lose the game. But don't lose the game because you bring three and he throws it to Hopkins on third and 11 and converts it three times on a drive. But, uh, you know, you have to pick ways you want teams to beat you, and you have to pick the way where Tom Savage is going to beat you with his arm. Mm-hmm. Agreed. 
So something that's a little uncertain for the Titans this week is the status of wide receiver Rashard Matthews, who did not play last week against the Indianapolis Colts. He practiced today, although I think it was in a limited capacity. Was he limited today or limited? Yeah, yeah, limited. I think he was running. Like he did. Yeah, it seems like he. They they said he ran routes and he looked smooth in his route. So it's limited, but it's not limited like he did walkthroughs. Yeah, I I feel like he'll probably play. and go out and sport his uh, his Colin Kaepernick um, cleats this week. Which, by the way, I have really no opinion on that. But if you think yeah. that that him wearing Colin Kaepernick cleats is a bad thing, remember that last year Doriel Green Beckham, former Titan who was at the time a Philadelphia Eagle, wore cleats that honored the Yeezy Foundation. Yeezys, Indeed. the most honorest of uh, foundations. Yeah. That's a cause I can get behind. But uh, so anyway, Rashard Matthews, if he's not able to play today, which I think he will be, or, or a Sunday, if he's not able to play though, I think the Titans are again going to be in a world of hurt on offense, especially considering the fact that their quarterback is not playing well and the run game, other than the occasional monstrous second half from Derrick Henry, is not effective. Yeah, uh, and just a quick note on the cleats. Uh, Richard Matthews was Colin Kaepernick's college teammate. Yes. And Colin Kaepernick's uh, uh, foundation and what he stands for is actually a really good cause. So I don't know why anyone not would, would be upset Newton at all. Foundation. Let's get over no, no, of course, not. of course not. But anyway, uh, Richard Matthews is a huge part of this offense. He's the wide receiver one. Uh, no one has really stepped up. No one really stepped up last week in his. In his absence, Corey Davis had uh, a big catch on that on the touchdown drive that put us ahead, uh, which was big. But I, he really didn't do much outside of that. Uh, Eric Decker just looks like I don't know. Just a, a, you, a you said it best uh, a couple weeks ago. You called him Philip Supernaw. Yeah, at wide receiver. That's about it. Oh. Um, yeah, kind of moves like him too at this point. But anyway. <laughs> Uh, Harry Douglas didn't bring anything to the table last week except for a an target interception, interception and an incomplete pass. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so he got better. We... He got better as the game went on. He he brought an interception and a failed third down conversion. So we we appreciate his contributions. Uh, also, that was a hundred percent a catch based on those refs. But whatever, you know. Yeah, that was a catch. Yeah. Um, anyway, my point is. My point is that we need Richard Matthews because he's the most trusted receiver that Mariota has, and he's the best receiver that we have right now. So, yes, he needs to play. Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to play. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't play last week. I think that was more on the Titans. You know, he doesn't. He he doesn't when he's you know they show him in pictures and stuff. He doesn't look like he's limping around or anything. People that have seen him said there's not a noticeable limp or anything like that. He's been day to day, not like a week to week kind of thing. I don't think it's that big of an issue. I think they're more worried about the fact that they don't want him running full speed on it when they know he's got to be the wide receiver one if they make it to the playoffs. So, uh, you know. I think they're being overly cautious, which is how they've treated all the hamstring injuries, which so far I don't think is led Marco Murray. Well, I don't think Murray will let himself be taken out of the game. I think we're not he even and sure Malone he's injured at this point. I don't even know. Yeah, he might just be bad. I, 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 that's that's a fair point. Uh, I think Malarkey has such respect for how tough he was last year that anytime he's like. 
I can go, he's going to play him because he thinks that that's going to be the game where he breaks out. Because he did that a couple times last year when, when he was having a really good year. So, you know, for for better or worse, whatever, that's that whole situation. But, no, Rashard Matthews is clearly the wide receiver one. As much as I love Corey Davis, and I think he's going to be really good when he's healthy and had a year under his belt. But right now, Rashard Matthews is – clearly the guy Mariota has the best chemistry with. I don't know why anybody would not want him to play, especially in a game like this that really matters for playoff standing. So I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, if he's 90%, he should play. If he's 80%, he should probably still play. If he's worse than that, don't don't let him practice. So at this point, there's no reason for him not to play. You know, the one thing about this team since the end of the Wizenhunt era you know, the defense is a lot better. Uh, eight sacks on Sunday. They've had a lockdown secondary for most of the year. Kevin Byard is probably a candidate for defensive player of the year, certainly an all-pro, Pro Bowl guy. Um, and on offense, last year they had that smash-mouth, powerful running game. And, and we've seen it at times this year. Murray has had a good game or two, and Henry has been pretty dominant in some second halves. But the one thing that really has not improved at all since the end of that era has been the passing game because back then they would try to go and run ineffective play action and now they run ineffective play action and it's still Delaney Walker as the primary target which I get it Delaney Walker's phenomenal but you saw what the Patriots did they have Rob Gronkowski and they went out and got Brandon Cooks because you know that you cannot play football when your only passing option that's that's above average is your tight end And I know we have Corey Davis now, and I know the Titans have Rashard Matthews, who's a very good receiver, but for some reason, it just has not worked yet. And I don't think anyone's necessarily to blame for that. I don't think that's what you should do with this situation. But I think Titans fans and the Titans themselves need to face the fact that the the passing game has not gotten better in the last two years, and something needs to happen for it to do so. And no one needs to get fired, but something needs to change schematically. Uh, I disagree. I think Rabisky needs to be fired or at least <laughs> relieved of his play-calling duties. He Okay, so Mariota is one of the best play-action quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of percentage, but we only throw eight passes a game out of play-action, and uh, I forget who it was. I think somebody in the ringer uh, made a really long post about it this week about how when Mario is under center, he's completing 71% of his passes. I, I think part of that, though, that state might be inflated because a lot of their passes from under center are three-step drop slant, three-step drop bubble screen, you know, stick routes, things like that. So, I mean, you're not going to be hucking it down the field from under center. If you're 71% efficient like that, then let him be Tom Brady. I mean, let him let him run that offense like that. Don't put him in shotgun. And if you do have some sort of running element where he can run the read option off of it, I, I mean, I'm convinced that this team has taken his running element out of it for the most part because they're so scared of playing Matt Castle, which, okay, that's fine. But, you know, at a certain point, he gets more comfortable when he runs the ball. And if you don't have the threat of play action and he doesn't have the ability to run the ball, he gets nervous. And I think that causes him a lot of, you know, mechanical issues that he normally doesn't have. I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how to pinpoint it, but you know, the fact that he's so effective on play action, even when the running game is so ineffective, makes me think that if you would start Derrick Henry and run under center more and you would run the ball 
And then, because we were what third in the NFL, third or fifth in the NFL in runs on first and second down in terms of how many attempts we give, even though they're not successful. Um, if we would just run the offense to Mariota, to Mariota, Mariota strengths instead of, you know, trying to be balanced and trying to be confusing and all that stuff, I think it would be better offensive output, you know. It's not like he's not throwing the ball well down the field. We saw him throw it to Delaney Walker. And as much as we don't like the throws to Delaney Walker, when he throws it in quadruple coverage and throws a beautiful pass for almost 30 yards or whatever, I'm okay with that. You know, he had a like 75-yard touchdown pass against uh, the Steelers to come out of the second quarter. He, he shows the ability to throw those passes. It's just that's what makes me think that the play calling is bad is because when the you know when the every now and then when they call a play that has some form of motion in it that works or draws them the play is there and Mariota finds it it's it's the other times that I don't understand you know the run to the left for negative one yard for the eighth time in the game to DeMarco Murray it, it, I, I can't watch that next season yeah it's weird uh last season we kind of saw uh Mariota really elevate um, the players around him, the offense around him, and just the scheme in general, I guess. Uh, and this season, we're kind of seeing uh, the offensive play calling and the scheme kind of crash down on him, coupled with the fact that he hasn't been as, as good as he was through his first two seasons. Um, but it's interesting because his yards per attempt and like a lot of the peripheral numbers are, are similar to his first two seasons, but the adjusted yards per attempt, which uh, heavily weigh interceptions, obviously is way way his career low and um his touchdown touchdown rate is also really really uh um below average and below his his usual so uh, i don't know it's it, it's been tough to watch but uh he i don't know he still has some of those throws that are just like jaw dropping um but uh, he definitely doesn't seem comfortable he has it seemed comfortable this year. Uh, and uh, it, it was interesting that you mentioned Wizenhunt because it made me kind of sad uh, watching the watching the Chargers offense because Ken Wizenhunt's their offensive coordinator. And they've been running some of the best offensive concepts and like route combinations that I've, I've seen in quite but some it time. failed uh, with Mariota. I know. And it's not like, you know, we talk about the offensive line. It's not like the Chargers have a good offensive line. They have an awful line. I know, and Mariota and Rivers are actually kind of similar passers. They're really good in the in the short to intermediate range. So I don't know why it never worked out with Mariota. Maybe no. the talent just just really was that bad they, um, they that it held him back. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say the talent. Cluster and Woodhair and uh, what's it, the Melvin Gordon are not the same guy, and they also have Keenan <laughs> yeah. Allen. Like when you force guys like that into the offense, you're killing yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Yep. So uh, we've done the uh, contenders slash pretenders game for the past couple of weeks. As Towards the end of the season, we're starting to have a little bit less to talk about because the Titans play a lot of bad teams. And I have a feeling that over the next couple of weeks in our preview episodes, since the Titans play after Houston, the uh, Cardinals and the 49ers, we're going to be talking about a lot of national headlines. Uh, I want to address two headlines, and then I have a game to play before we close out. It, it is not contender or pretender, so uh, it, it's, it's a new game. But first, let, let's talk about this headline. Uh, Eli Manning benched for uh, Geno Smith. Uh, when I saw that Eli Manning was benched, I said, oh, they're going to play Davis Webb. That makes a lot of sense. 
Nope, they're going to play the five-year-old veteran quarterback who sucks. Like, if they had been playing Davis Webb, I don't think you would have seen Eli crying. I think you probably would have said, you know, I agree with this move. You know, you know what I can do. Season's pretty much over. Let's see what this young guy can do. And I think most of the media would have absolutely agreed with that decision because it would have made sense. But benching him for Geno Smith to, like, see if Geno can win a game better than Eli can, it doesn't make sense. It's disrespectful to Eli Manning. And it's crazy that, you know, dis- it's much more disrespectful to bench him for a veteran than it would be for a rookie because one would make sense and one completely doesn't make any sense. There's no sense to be made in this move if you're the New York Giants. I hope they lose all the rest of their games because they're being incompetently run and incompetently coached. You know, I'm a, I've been kind of back and forth on this decision uh, just because I'm a Geno Smith apologist and uh, st- still have hope for him in the future. But, I mean, he's 27 years old. Did you watch her in the preseason so. this year with the Giants when he would throw those awful interceptions in the flat? I didn't. I did not. I did, I did not. not. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, uh Anyway, uh, yeah, no, I don't They should have just, if this was really his last season, uh, just let him go out on his own terms. He won you two, two, two Super Bowls against the two of the best teams we've seen in a while. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, they really should have let him, let him close this out. But, I mean, I understand um, a, a team that's completely eliminated and has nothing to play for evaluating other options. But I agree with you that doing it for Geno Smith kind of makes absolutely no sense. Um, I'm a big fan of Jerry Reese uh, historically. I like the way he built. I mean, I like the way he built the coaching staff. He built the talent around the play. I mean, people don't give him enough credit for draw, uh, drafting pro bowlers and all pros who would go other places and just look washed up, you know, or given good contracts instead of a Joe Flacco contract. You know, I think you know. I've said before, I think if he isn't with the Giants next year, the Titans should go after him to evaluate defensive line talent because he's done and defensive back talent because he's done a great job with that. And then they should go after Spagnolo, their defensive coordinator. But that's that's a talk for a different day. Um, I don't know. I mean, the only reason I can explain it is if I say they've got to be tanking. All they want to do is get a better pick right now, and they're afraid Eli might accidentally win them a game. They know that they know that if they put Geno Smith in, they're guaranteed losses. So mm-hmm. that, that's the only way I can make sense. In you know, maybe they look at da- they said they're going to look at Davis Webb in a couple of games or whatever. If you're they're definitely tanking, yeah. If you're already committing to play your third string quarterback and you don't play him now, it's because he's the, he's either so not ready that it doesn't matter this late in the season, or you're just trying to lose games and not look like you're trying to lose games. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, yeah. it's, I don't know who it's coming from, though, because McAdoo's not going to be there next year, and uh, if if nobody in the front office is going to be there next year, I mean, is it coming from the owner? Uh, it would yeah. seem weird. I mean, owners usually don't like to tank. They usually like to win as much as possible, especially, you know, when the alternative is pulling out, you know, your two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback who – like it or not, it's probably going to the Hall of Fame based on the fact that he beat Belichick in the Super Bowl twice and Tom yeah. Brady or however you want to call that. But really, he beat Belichick because Belichick's the one calling the defensive plays. So I, I, don't, I don't know. It seems like a really weird move. I don't know who benefits from it. 
I mean, the organization does long term. Maybe the owners wanting to do it so that it, the job's more appealing because they have a top three pick instead of a top five. I, it, it's weird all around, and I, I don't like it, and I hate it for Eli, and I hate it for the city because I I don't like a lot of uh, major sports teams, but I I don't mind watching the Giants. You know, I, I like Odell when he's in. I like Jason Pierre-Paul. You know, I, I like I like a lot of those guys. Snacks Harrison. Yeah, Snacks is mm, great. Yeah. One of the Titans. You know, there's Landon Collins is great. There's so many really fun players to watch on that team. As Sterling Ship, I mean Ingram, they're all fun to watch. Yeah, I don't like that this is happening to them. And, and, and on the point that they have so many good players, like all Jerry Reese is getting absolutely attacked right now, or, or has this week. And I don't think that's necessarily fair. And they're like, well, they haven't surrounded Eli with talent. That's why he's not winning. Are you kidding me? He has Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Marshall, Sterling Shepard, Evan Ingram. That's two first-round picks. They uh, signed Brandon Marshall in free agency, and I believe Sterling Shepard was a second- or third-round pick the year before. By the way, the Titans could currently have Sterling Shepard instead of Kevin Dodd. Just saying. Um, Uh, They could also have Michael Thomas. Kevin Dodd looks terrible in retrospect. But they could have Miles Jack. It could be worse. Yeah, So, and then on defense— uh, you've got a great edge rusher in Jason Pierre-Paul, another great edge rusher in Olivier Vernon, Snacks Harrison on the inside. They used to have Jonathan Hankins let him go to the Colts. Uh, that might be the only decision of Jerry Reese's that I don't really agree with. Maybe that and not signing Adrian Peterson because I thought he could have been good there. But, I mean, even the secondary, DRC, Eli Apple, uh, yeah. Morris Jenkins, who ended up being a tremendous free agent signing when I really did not mm-hmm. agree with that. Uh, Landon Collins. I mean, it's a really well-built football team aside from a pretty bad offensive line, and they don't have much talent at running back. That's fixable. This is a team that next year could be a Super Bowl contender like we all kind of thought they would be this year, and they just unfortunately fell apart because their few weaknesses did end up being really bad weaknesses. Yeah, they were coming off a really good a really good season last year, and it looked like they had one of the best defenses in the entire league, and then it just all fell apart this season. Uh, some of it was due to injuries, but mo- on offense, but the defense was was underachieving even before the injuries hit. So, I mean, Ben McAdoo's obviously gone, um, but I don't think you can really blame um, the front office for a lot of what has happened uh, outside of that Ben McAdoo hire. Yeah, I think uh, th- you know this is just one more thing for my uh, Jerry Reese love before we stop talking about it. I'm not sure that there's a position on the football field, or at least a position group, where he didn't draft a pro bowler, which I- I'm not sure how many people – I mean, I'm not sure how many GMs in history have that th- – because I guess he didn't draft Eli. That's the, on- that's the only one I can think. Tight because- did uh, neither one of their tight ends when they were winning Super Bowls? Chalky went. Well, I guess he didn't draft him either. Yeah, and Boss definitely made a Pro Bowl. I'm kidding. They, they had <laughs> that blocking tight end, Bear Pasco. Yeah. Oh my god. But I, I don't know. It, maybe that's that's something I shouldn't say off the top of my head because there are now that I think about it, he just kept Eli and uh, Shockey, but. The, Ingram I mean, might be a pro bowler, though. Yeah, yeah, Ingram could end up being a pro bowler. And, you know, maybe the reason they're so keen on going to the backup is because he might be a pro bowler someday. But I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I think it's really underrated. You know, and 
I like Matt Miller a lot, and, and I, I like a lot of the stuff he writes, and I think he's interesting. I disagree with him on some stuff. The fact that he just absolutely obliterates the Giants' front office makes me really think that he's got some bad blood between them that I don't know. Yeah. Because it, it seems to be coming out of left field, and it just it, it doesn't make any sense. I don't know if he got snowed, if somebody told him they were going to draft somebody, and he went out on the limb and said they were going to draft somebody, and it got him in trouble. I don't know what that was, but the, all this all this bad blood between him and the Giants just doesn't make any sense to me. Mm-hmm. So the other God, everyone is injured on that roster. Yeah, yeah it's it, really that, bad. What a nightmare. So the other NFL headline I want to address is the fact that one of the NFL's best uh, players hasn't played in three years or two years or whatever, and he's going to play this weekend and start as the X for the Cleveland Browns. I'm talking about wide receiver Josh Gordon, who when he was playing every game was an elite NFL wide receiver. Like he He's a combination of Demarius Thomas and DeAndre Hopkins. That's how I see him a little bit. I don't think he's quite Calvin Johnson, yeah. but I think that's a fair comparison. He has that straight line speed and big body of Demarius Thomas, but he has the soft hands, vertical ability, and uh, veteran route running ability of DeAndre Hopkins. So, first of all, should he ha- should there be any expectations for him? Frankly, I think he's going to come back and be incredible because he he. He, he, he's worked hard at this. He's gone to rehab, and he's not coming back to catch two balls a game and have a Tajay Sharp season. He's coming back to prove that he's still one of the best players in the National Football League. Um, I don't, well, I mean, he, he was fantastic uh, when he first came into the league. I think his sophomore year, he had 1,600 yards, nine touchdowns, uh, and I think he was suspended for two games that season. So the fact that he did that, uh, in 14 games was ridiculous. Um, I like that comparison that you made. Yeah, he was just a ridiculous athlete, uh, as fast as anyone, really. And he could go up and get the ball as good as anyone. So I'm really in- interested to see uh, how he'll do now that he's uh, 26. And the I'm not expecting too much, to be honest. Uh, I don't trust Hugh Jackson. Uh, last week he said he was going to give Duke Johnson as many carries as he can handle. And then I think he gave him 10 carries, and Isaiah Crowell outtouched him by like 10 or something so i don't trust hugh jackson um and i mean i don't know how how good can someone play um when they've been away from a sport for three years uh and then he's coming back and deshaun kaiser hasn't looked that great and the offense hasn't looked that great so i'm not expecting like a huge game but i i think he'll he'll have a pretty pretty nice game maybe like five catches for 80 yards or something like that. Uh, I'm not expecting him to blow up, though, especially going up against a really tough Chargers uh, defense um, that I'm not sure if Casey Hayward's going to play. Um, uh, he's going through some personal stuff. But if he does play, uh, it'll definitely be a, a tough matchup for Josh Gordon in his first game back. Yeah, it, okay. So I'm kind of fighting with myself because I think he's going to have a big game, but those are all really good points. Um, what I would say is, I don't think the running game is necessarily a part of the offense um, as much as Hugh Jackson would like to think. Because I remember last year when they looked back, he was like, I, you know, and it's like post game or somewhere in the middle of the offseason, he was like, I didn't realize how effective we were running the ball. But I think that's just lip service. I, I don't think he wants to be a run the ball kind of team. But I do know he knows how to get AJ Green open. And I know he found out ways for Andy Dalton to get in the ball. So in an offense where you really want, 
you know, because that I mean they've shown with how they play, they want the deep ball, and if their offensive line can hold, I, I think they'll try for it, for it this week, and that's going to be an issue with Bosa and Ingram. But I mean, at his peak, I'm not sure that's not the most dominant year I've ever seen by a wide receiver. I mean, yeah, he was killing. I mean, destroying guys like Akeem Talib in a year where uh, he had nothing around him in terms of talent, just like he will now. But, I mean, but on top of it, he didn't have a good offensive coordinator as his coach, which I think Hugh Jackson still is. But, I mean, Josh Gordon, if he's healthy, and I have no idea. I mean, it's not that hard to play wide receiver in the NFL in terms of, you know, these are the routes you need to run, all that kind of stuff. It's hard to know your part in an offense. But if you're the one really good explosive player in an offense – it's it they'll find you a way to get the ball and they'll say go out and run a nine route go out and run a post whatever and he can do it but i mean it would not shock me if he had a you know 12 target 200 yard two touchdown game just because who else is going to get the ball in that offense i mean in joku makes sense but you know i, I don't Corey know coleman i guess yeah and it, he may but if you're thinking okay, I can throw this deep ball to Corey Coleman or I can throw it to this guy. I mean, they're going to see what they have in him because they, they want to know if he's worth all the headache. Because if he comes mm-hmm. out and has a 200-yard game, okay, he needs to be a center part of the offense and we you know we need to find a way to get him involved next year. But I, I don't know. I just think this is – after all the stories he's you know told and how he's put himself in front of the media and really you know said, this is who I am, these are my flaws, you know, and I'm trying to come back from it. I think it's just too good of a story for him to just not go off. Yeah. Uh-huh. Would agree. So we ha- we have about three minutes left before we need to uh, end this episode. And I, I, the game we're going to play is called Cut or Keep. I'm going to give you a couple, or actually I have three, players who have pretty big money contracts next year, but teams could cut them to either A, not have to pay their contract, or B, uh, cut some of the money away and take a cap hit. We talked about one of those players before the show, so we'll go ahead and get that one out of the way. Joe Flacco of the Baltimore Ravens. He's playing at an incredibly below-average level right now. He's not bad. I would just call it below average. Next year, his cap hit is uh, $24 million. If he is cut... Oh, my God. If he is cut... After June the first, he will the the Baltimore Ravens would save twelve million dollars on the cap and only have to pay him sixteen. But that cut would have to come after June the first, or a trade after June the first. They could not trade him during free agency. It would have to be June the first or after for them to make anything. If you are whoever's running that organization, is it still Ozzie Newsom? Yeah. yeah, if you're Ozzie Newsom, so, yeah. do you trade Joe Flacco? Cut. Or cut. Cut, cut or him. trade. Just cut that guy. He is the worst quarterback in the league right now. He looks terrible. And also they made the mistake. Their their true mistake was uh, giving him a big extension and then letting Tyrod Taylor go because Tyrod Taylor uh, is way better than him right now and actually would be a nice fit in that Baltimore offense. So maybe they can get Tyrod back. That's what I would do. Because the Bills don't want him, so maybe he can go back home after the season. That'd be a nice, uh, nice story. I, I hate it. I hate it, but they've got to keep him. I mean, I'm looking <laughs> on 
over the cap right now, and for 2018, they have $12 million in cap. That's all they have. I mean, you're gonna if you're going to get a new quarterback in free agency, it's going to cost you at least that if you want anybody who's even close to capable of starting. Mm-hmm. You've got to just stomach that contract but pretend like he's not there. In your mind, if you're a football, you've got to be – and Newsom, you've got to be thinking, okay – I'm trying to build for two years from now when we think Roethlisberger is going to retire. Try to find a replacement for Suggs. Try to find a replacement for Flacco. You know, maybe look at somebody who can play next to Yonda and maybe take over for him. But you've got Ronnie Stanley, who's a good player. You've got C.J. Mosley, who's a good player. You've got some edge prospects who haven't looked right yet, but they've been hurt. You know, Brand. You've got you've got guys that you can build around on that team. But guys like Eric Weddle, Joe Flacco, Suggs, all those guys, last year should be kind of their last hurrah while you're trying to build up depth behind them. I mean, there's just, just no sense in cutting a guy like Joe Flacco when you don't have money to get anybody else, and you probably won't be in position to draft somebody ready to start immediately. Yep. Next one. That's I th- fair. I think this one is probably much more obvious. Uh, Blake Bortles of the Jacksonville Jaguars. If he is kept on the roster, uh, and, and this is not a June first deal, they can cut him tomorrow. Uh, they, they, if they if they cut him before the season starts at any point, they will not have to pay any money to him. If they leave him on the roster, his cap hit will be nineteen million dollars. Oh my god, that's the easiest cut of all time. But the, although he really you, has, who do you play though? Is the thing like, do you go out and sign a veteran? I mean. He knows your system. He hadn't been too terrible this year, as bad as he was last yeah, he really, year. Yeah, I agree with that. He really hasn't been horrible. Uh, hasn't been great, and they, he has kind of lost them a couple games. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't think the quarterback market this offseason is going to be that terrible. Uh, like I said, Tyrod's going to be available, uh, and one of the Minnesota guys is going to be available. I think I would ch- take a chance on one of them instead of – uh, instead of keeping Bortles for that $19 million cap hit. I think what I would probably maybe, do, I would cut Bortles, get someone like Josh McCown, Case Keenum, someone like that on maybe like a $12 million a year contract, and use the difference to franchise five. tag Allen Robinson. Yeah, yeah, they got to keep Robinson. Uh, I don't know if he wants to stay, though. I don't think he's going to stay there. I feel yeah. like he, he wants to go to like a more pass-heavy offense yeah. and really put up numbers. Because Tom Coughlin is pulling the strings around there, so if if Coughlin's the guy making the decisions, you and Marone too, you've got to think this offense is headed towards a run first profile, and they've got a garbage offensive line. So even on the play action, I might be in trouble if they send a blitz. Um, and they've got bad running backs. So if you're a wide receiver, you've got to feel underappreciated because he's their best skill player. So. I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm him and I don't feel like they really want to sign me and make me a featured part of the offense, I'm gone. But back back to Bortles. Um, cut him. I mean, what do I hope they do? I hope they extend him. I, I yeah. hope they extend him and don't let <laughs> the quarterback, like, you know, hope they make the stupidest decision. But I think you cut him. Um, and knowing them, I'm sure they're going to – all we'll hear about is how they're making a push for Cousins. And then they'll get Cousins and they'll let um, – uh, Allen Robinson go, and then they will have done the dumbest combination of things. But, uh, you know, we're going to hear – it's going to be Brock Osweiler all over again with this team. 
So we need to prepare ourselves for that. They're going to make a change at quarterback, and no matter who it is, no matter how unproven or untalented the person they bring in is, everybody's going to say, well, it can't be worse than what it was, and it will be because that they're the Jaguars, and that's just what's going to happen to them. But I don't know. I, I mean, you you cut Blake Bortles anytime you have the chance to. <laughs> Final. I mean, they're going to get Eli, aren't they? That, that's what I was going to say. I, I think so. It's how much does Eli cost? Is Eli going to ask for – starter i mean he he's a manning he's not going to go anywhere for free so yeah and he knows that he's the quarterback and they need a quarterback in that offense and that coughlin is going to speak to the general manager and you know he's going to make a big push for him so if you're him do you say i want 13 or 14 million dollars where i want whatever you would have had to play bortles because then you're kind of starting to put yourself up against the cap and uh, then, then you're worrying about the guys you lose, you know, like we talked about, like the Robinsons. So I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But no matter what, you can't have Bortles. Uh huh. <laughs> so finally, uh, we're gonna end with a Titans player, who, if he is cut, Oof. um, at any point, no June the first issue, if he's cut at any point prior to the start of next season, the Titans will save six and a half million dollars against the salary cap. 30-year-old running back DeMarco Murray. You know, God, the numbers aren't bad. Like, that's not a terrible... Um, I mean, saving six, six and a half, you said? Yeah. Uh, that's not That's not that much, especially considering all the cap room we have since we didn't really spend that much this offseason. So the numbers aren't bad. The problem is his play has been atrocious this season. He's also under uh, contract for another two seasons, not just next season. He's under contract to 2019. Todd, and what are you going to do? You're just going to keep playing him? I mean, unless you significantly scale down his workload, I don't see any reason for... No, I, I just don't see a reason to keep him, really, because this off this season has been really, really bad. Um, and he's going to be 30 years old, like for a running back. That's what, what, what running back 30 years old right now is even doing anything. I think Adrian Peterson's like last Peterson. good season came when he was 30 or 31. Yeah. But and Adrian Peterson's a freak good. of nature. Yeah. Yeah. He also so, I don't season after tearing his ACL. Yeah. No, that guy's, that guy's ridiculous. That makes yeah. no sense. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't see any parallel. Well, I kind of see a little bit of a of a parallel between him and uh, Demarco and uh, uh, Darren McFadden, who just retired. Actually, he's also thirty, um, and he couldn't get he couldn't even get activated um, uh, for the Cowboys, even with Zeke out. So uh, I see yeah. a lot of similar similarities there, where Demarco will just get completely Both phased Oklahoma out. Both Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, yeah. Both Cowboys, Cowboys legends. <laughs> that's right um okay so i i mean after i thought about it i think it's a no-brainer that they're going to keep him um and i think they should because if they use him correctly it, he's a good player he's a, he's a really solid pass catcher i'm not sure that his pass blocking is what everybody thinks it is everybody yeah. everybody extra offensive tackle in the background i saw him get smoked versus the steelers and let let mario to get sacked so I, I don't know. Let's maybe hold off on that. But as a receiver, he's really good, and he and Mario have good chemistry. So I'm okay with that. But so if they got six million, would would they spend it? I mean, that that's the big question. Is I mean, it's not like they need it if they wanted to spend it anyway. They have like forty, fifty million dollars on the cap. Right. I mean, that, it's insane. Over the cap says they have fifty five million to spend next year without Oof. any cuts. 
and I don't think they're going to re-sign anybody from this group except maybe an offensive lineman or two. And I don't, I, I don't I know how. Daquan Jones being brought back. They seem to really like him. Yeah, but is he going to get replaced with Austin Johnson? Uh, are they, you know, and, and if and if they keep Austin Johnson and Daquan Jones, are they cutting Sylvester Williams? Because I get it. Yeah, I, I get it. So, you know, what, I, I don't know. But, you know, $6 million for a veteran who kind of gets you publicity around the league, who is in all the commercials for the Titans, you know, who gives them another person to put on their ticket sales. I've heard, I've heard from – on-site media that uh, he's one of two players on the team, him and Mariota, that uh, the team only allows media to talk to in group uh, settings. You can't just like walk up to him and ask him a question. He only does group stuff. That goes to that popularity aspect you were hitting on. Yeah, I mean hmm. he's you know he's one of like you said one of two recognizable players on the team. You know Corey Davis may get there one day, and Derrick Henry probably is when he's in pads. I mean because when you see him without pads, you think he's a linebacker. So, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, so, is he worth $6 million? Or, or can, I mean, what will probably happen is they'll do the uh, Wesley Woodyard deal with him where he's an older guy and Robinson talks to him and says, you know, we oh, need you yeah. to pay up. We'll give you more guaranteed money, but we're going to make it easier to cut you next year. But we're going to make you, you know, we're going to give you some more guaranteed money this year and you're in Tennessee where you don't have state income tax. Um and he'll, he'll say he'll make more money here than you will elsewhere. So, you know, what, what are you going to do? And then he'll say, well, I'm going to stay with a good offensive line instead of having a situation like I did in Philadelphia where I just wasn't a fit for the scheme. And, you know, it's just, it's just too solid for him. There's too many things going in his favor. I, I think you're on the right track with that. So I, I just don't think they'll cut. It. You know, like I said, mainly it just goes back. To, I don't think Robin will send, spend an extra. Robinson will spend an extra six million dollars on anything if they cut him. So what's the point? Uh, mm-hmm. a, a little bit of a tease. Uh, once the off season kicks off in February, we'll do an episode talking about the Titans' impending free agents and should they all be re-signed. And we're going to have to face the issue of if you don't want to re-sign Wesley Woodyard, who will likely be a Pro Bowler at the end of this season because of his age, then you're left without two of your starting inside linebackers. And I know, Will, you love Jayon Brown, but Jayon Brown can't do it by himself. So that's going to be a big issue for the Titans heading into this <laughs> offseason. That's a little bit of a teaser. Uh, but we are at the end of this episode. On Sunday, noon, Titans-Texans uh, should be a barn burner. Uh, until then, and, and, and until we're back to recap that game, uh, for Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas, I'm Luke Worsham. Thank you for listening to the Titan Size Podcast. We will talk to everybody next week. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write. 
so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.